Welcome back to Persuasion in the Public Mind. I'm Mark Bourdine. Today we're going to explore the relationships between ethics and persuasion. The persuasion industry and technology have become more sophisticated, creating ethical problems related to deception, the digital divide, and online privacy. There are also ethical challenges in political advertising and journalism. Here to provide some insight and perspective is Chad Painter, Assistant Professor of Communication at the University of Dayton and co-author of the book, Media Ethics, Issues and Cases. Welcome to the podcast, Chad. Ethics has been described as the study of right or good conduct as it affects the individual and society. Why is it important to discuss ethics and persuasion together? Sure. Well, it, I mean, there's a, there's a few reasons, right? But uh, probably the, the 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 biggest reason, at least when we're talking about media ethics, is um, is reach. Um, that that persuasion uh, through mass media is something that that touches uh, all of us, or at least most of us, uh, every day, uh, and so. Because of that, we, we need to, to really be thinking in, in terms of are we, are we practicing persuasion ethically? Uh, are audiences on an equal, on an equal level as, uh, as the sender of the message? And, and really kind of start thinking in terms of, of best practices uh, of how to do ethical persuasive messages. Is it fair to also say that... Um, uh, persuasion kind of involves behavior that can be judged by standards of right and, and wrong, uh, which kind of uh, enters the ethical element into this. Sure. Uh, of course. I mean, there, <laughs> there are, um, there are persuasive messages that are, that are good and that are ethical. Uh, and there are persuasive messages that, um, that are, uh, are, Definitely out of bounds uh, in terms of ethics, and uh, and and like like most things, when we talk about ethics, probably the the, the vast majority falls somewhere between those two extremes, right? So, mm -hmm. so a lot of times when we're talking uh, in terms of ethics, we're, we're not necessarily talking about just right or wrong. We're kind of talking about that that gray area in between. Um, that you know, if something is is obviously wrong. Um, it, it, we're not necessarily talking about the realm of ethics, so um, not necessarily talking about persuasion here. But uh, for example, the the Brian Williams story, where uh, where he uh, either made up or conflated that he was uh, that he was part of a helicopter crash. Um, if he made that up, that's not an ethical breach. There, there's no real ethics there, right? Like, do not lie. That's the end of it. Mm -hmm. um, the the ethical uh, components are, are when we're starting to get into gray areas, when we're starting to get into the places where uh, where some people may think it's it's crossing a line, and and other people uh, may have a different uh, a different idea. Okay, so the persuasion industry and technology have become more sophisticated, creating ethical issues related to deception, the digital divide online privacy, and conflict of interest when reporting news. Would you give us some examples of these issues? 
Sure, uh, and and it's you know there there are a multitude of of uh, potential uh, potential issues with with each of these, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, let me take deception to start. Sure. Um, so, if you think in terms of uh, Cicela Bach uh, in her book Lying, uh, talks about. Um, really, the, the lying, which and deception is is different than lying, but uh, but they are they are related. That lying starts as uh, as a moral deficit, right? That the, the the default is truth, and so in order to lie, there must be some ethical justification, uh, and that justification is is pretty rare. Um, so when we're talking about pers- uh, about persuasive messages, for example, um, one of the one of the issues that that often comes up in persuasive messages is the issue of omission. So, um, the omission at, at times can be ethically okay, right? Especially if we're talking about in an ad that is. 15 seconds, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, you're not going to have time to tell everything about a product. So the, the question then becomes, is that a mission uh, just one of convenience? As in, um, I cannot tell you uh, that, I can't tell you the number of colors that this car comes in because I only have 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. Or, is it, or is it a mission of of deception, right? That I'm not telling you that this car explodes when you make a left turn. Um, So, so there are a multitude of of issues that can be uh, around deception. Uh, There are a multitude of issues, um, something like the digital divide. One of the things that, uh, that we talk about in the media ethics uh, issues and cases book is, uh, is is something like, um, uh, uh, Facebook, right? Uh, that uh, ProPublica did a series of of stories looking at advertising on Facebook, and uh, something like um, uh, there were times where the ads, for example, a housing ad or a, a job ad, uh, excluded uh, people who are are federally protected from being ex- excluded from housing ads. For example. Um, uh, a person with a disability not being able to see a housing ad. Um, that can be an issue, right? But there's also an issue in uh, something like the digital divide. Uh, there's an issue of justice, right? So as we become a, a society that is is more and more connected uh, online, and certainly as we uh, see more and more politicians from the from the president on down who, who are making uh, at times policy, but, but certainly uh, using, uh, using social media as a, as a way to, um, to communicate to constituents. Well, if a constituent doesn't have ac- access to an online platform, they're missing access to you know, one of the pretty foundational uh, things that, that we have in a democracy, right? The ability to actually talk to our elected representatives. Um, so, so those are some issues, right? There's also issues, um, something like uh, online privacy, uh, which really gets into kind of this this greater idea of privacy as this uh, the ability to control your own information. Exactly, collecting well, information and how that information is used, right? Right, right. And um, 
the you know the something I feel like I'm picking on Facebook here, and I, I'm not intending to, but something like Facebook, their entire business model is 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 uh, based on getting you to give up private information, right? Mm-hmm. To give up um, you know your relationship status, to mm-hmm. to to tell them uh, you know where you live, where you went to school, the things that you like, um, which isn't necessarily wrong right it's um as long as uh, kind of as long as you have some sort of informed consent here but um but it certainly changes or it certainly brings in kind of new um new examples and new issues to kind of a a, a very very old idea of what privacy is Oh, for sure. Yeah. And uh, this uh, idea of uh, conflict of interest uh, when reporting news, Mm -hmm. um, uh, kind of uh, the idea of um, uh, having a vested interest in how reporting takes place, uh, that that kind of thing, Um, Mm -hmm. disclosing uh, your association with uh, certain ideas that uh, you might uh, communicate. Um, sure, and, and 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 there's there's actually a really good, really recent um, example of that. The uh, there was a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. I, I forget his name off the top of my head, but um, he uh, he had a um, you know on, on the one hand he's a reporter for a major newspaper. On the other hand, he um, does some some community organizing. Uh, he he lives in a in a uh, I think it's suburban uh, Washington D.C. Uh, and they, he was doing some community organizing, trying to keep a mosque out of out of his town. Well, there's if there's not a conflict of interest there between uh, between what he's doing in his private life and you know the the type of information that his that his paper is covering, there's certainly a at least a perceived conflict. Um, but it, it you know it, even something like that gets into a um, kind of this gray area, right? Because the right. just because I'm a journalist doesn't mean I'm not a person, mm-hmm. right? So I, you know, like I, I, I was a working journalist for about a decade. I still voted. I still went to uh, even from time to time. I went to political rallies. Um, the I'm still a person before I ever become a journalist. So the the question then becomes uh, kind of where that line is drawn uh, and. And frankly, when you're, especially if you're working for a news organization, uh, making sure that uh, that you're following their guidelines. Uh, and many news organizations are starting uh, uh, starting to have uh, specific social media guidelines, uh, and and ultimately just making sure that you're following uh, uh, both codes of ethics, but even beyond that, you know, following good ethical practice. Right. And I wanted to get to. Um... Uh, this code of ethics uh, issue in, in a moment, but uh, before mm-hmm. I do that, um, uh, there's also um, a, a, an idea or an issue about uh, what I would call oppression or exclusion, which uh, has to do with uh, uh, adver- advertising. Let's say that that sells more than products. Uh, it could, you know, uh, sell values and images and attitudes um, that uh, mm-hmm. create. Uh, or can create anyway ideas uh, about what is normal or acceptable. Sure, sure. The I mean the the idea of of you know ads that that sell 
um, sell a lifestyle or sell a um, or or a lot of times something like um, there was a recent uh, ad of uh, Gillette had a recent ad about uh, toxic masculinity. Uh, which is being used, you know, it, it has kind of a couple of purposes, right? So one purpose is um, to to have a social message, but the other purpose is also to sell razors. Um, so I think a lot of a lot of the issues uh, related to those, you know, Nike had a, a similar ad with um, Colin Kaepernick um, that you know one is trying to raise awareness about social issues, but is also trying to sell sneakers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so I think a lot of these issues kind of get wrapped up. Of, you know, at what point are you um, are you making a social message, and at what point are you kind of co-opting a social message in order to sell product? Yes, for sure. Well, there are also ethical challenges for persuaders when it comes to political advertising, uh, organizational advocacy, and journalism. And I'm wondering if you can comment on these challenges as they involve government oversight or a code of ethics. Sure. Um, so, so something like an image in an ad, um, you know, there, there are a couple of there are a couple of things. Um, one, and and obviously this is kind of the, the, the biggest issue in, in any sort of persuasion, but it's truth-telling, right? Mm-hmm. So at, at, in, a, in a code of ethics, certainly uh, something like the Society of Professional Journalists, but also um, the Public Relations Society of America, the, the number one plank in the, in the ethics code is to tell the truth, right? So, so you have to, as a, even as a, as a persuasive uh, Message professional, you, you, your your number one priority is to tell the truth, um, and and in the in the advertising, you know, obviously there is um, there are some regulatory stuff. Uh, you know, you can't show a false image, but there's also kind of goes beyond that uh, in order to uh, to tell it in a um, what what we would say in an authentic way. So, for example. Um, the there was a uh, I used this in classes. Uh, there was a, a pretty famous ad a while back uh, by uh, BP uh, where they spend a, a minute, a minute and a half talking about all of this investment that they have made in the Gulf of Mexico uh, and how uh, how they've really cleaned up the Gulf and it is um, more beautiful than it's ever been in its life, um, which is all true or it's all factual. But what they're leaving out in that uh, in that image, in both both in that image and in that uh, in that narration, is that they didn't do this willingly, right? In fact, they fought the the government uh, when the when when the U.S. government tried to make BP clean up the Gulf. Uh, BP fought that in court, um, and now you know now they're turning around and making uh, an ad talking about their great commitment to. Uh, to the Gulf, um, you, you know, you also have. Uh, I, I know that uh, the, one of the things you mentioned was political ads. There's certainly, uh, you know, there's a wealth of of ethical issues that can come up in political ads, starting with starting with truth telling, or starting with, um, you know, even even 
taking some some very small piece of information and, and blowing it out of proportion. So I can. Well, uh, yeah, as I understand oh. it, um, uh, there really is uh, no government uh, oversight in the in that particular area that you're speaking about. I mean, uh, it's it's kind of almost an anything goes situation, is it not? Right. Uh, the I mean, to to talk about kind of the the ins and outs of 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 legal regulation, uh, I'm not going to be the right person to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, to make a definitive statement, I'm not sure. Um, but there's certainly you can get away with um, you can get away with a lot, right? Right. Uh, and but that brings up the that then brings up the ethical issue of well, should you? Just to be clear on this point, the Federal Communications Commission and numerous scholarly articles tell us that there are no content restrictions on political speech or advertising in the U.S., largely based on First Amendment grounds. The reality of the situation is that one can make knowingly false or inaccurate claims against a political opponent or policy, and the threshold for evidence required to support those claims is almost nil. This leaves it to the public to sort it out after the fact. Here's Chad Painter. So, you know, for example, I, I live in Ohio. So uh, we, are, we are one of the ultimate battleground states. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, uh, actually, in the, in the midterm elections, uh, one of our uh, senators was up for re-election, uh, Sherrod Brown. And I got in the mail from his uh, from his opponent Jim Renaki, uh pretty much every day there was a flyer in the mail um, talking about um, Sherrod Brown's abuse of past, um, which was not truthful, right? Mm-hmm. It was there was a there was a kernel of truth. Um, it, it even got to the point where Sherrod Brown's ex-wife came out in the media to say. This isn't true. I didn't, uh, you know, what what they're saying he did to me, he did not do. Right. Um, you know, and there's 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 very little pushback on on some of these things. Uh, there's very little pushback of, um, you know, and there and there's there's certainly been a, um, a you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking of of even some of Lyndon Johnson's ads in 1968. Right. Uh, or 1964. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, you know, if you go back to even some of some of the, you know, um, he had an ad that basically was uh, saying that the KKK endorsed Barry Goldwater, which was factual. But it's, it's not it's not like Barry Goldwater was actually um, courting the KKK vote. Right. 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 Um, so it's it's there, there is this balance between factual and truthful in political ads. And, and I think that uh, often, uh, often uh, facts, facts are, are often the truth is, is the victim there, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We, we talk about a code of ethics, and I'm, I, mm-hmm. I'm sure that there is uh, for uh, journalists. Um, how closely it's followed sometimes uh, is, is in question. Um, you know, uh, for example, uh, framing the news uh, with uh, words and images that encourage audiences to think about an issue in a particular way. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, what immediately comes to mind is um, uh, 
um, the way uh, Fox News would uh, handle uh, an issue as compared to uh, MSNBC or CNN or something like that. Sure. Sure. Um, you know what? Uh, what are the implications or consequences for uh, audience? Uh, excuse me, audience members uh, under those circumstances. Right. Well, in you know, it gets into it gets into a few issues. So, uh, of course, there's an issue of framing. But um, as as those of us who who study framing will tell you. Um, all news is framed, right. uh, and it has to be mm-hmm. right. There's, there's the because we have limited time. You, you can't. Uh, I guess conceivably you could, but um, no one's actually going to spend five hours getting into every nuance of every issue. Right. It, it's you know you, you don't have the resources, and, and largely you don't have the time. So, so everything gets framed mm-hmm. uh, to at least to an extent. The the question then becomes: To what degree? Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. right. And are you uh, are you framing something to the point where you are, uh, frankly, not telling the truth? Right. So the the um, one of the things that and um, this goes way back, but one of the uh, one of the, the cliches is that um, journalism's first obligation is to the truth. So if we're not telling the truth, if we're not, or at least telling the best obtainable version of the truth, mm-hmm. uh, we're not really performing our role in a democratic society, right? If we are misinforming the public, then uh, then we're not doing our job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and frankly, a lot rests on us doing our job, um, not only in terms of journalism, i.e., you know, if we're not doing... If, if we're not serving our role in a democratic society, then why why have special protection? Right. Uh, but also, you know, there 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 are grander consequences for for our republic if we don't have an informed public, uh, or if we have a misinformed or disinformed public. Um, that that has some some very real implications uh, for you know whether whether the republic survives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so in, um, you know, in this, the, uh, I guess the grander idea, it, it comes back to, to telling the truth. Uh, it comes back to um, being accountable to the public. Um, and it, it comes back often to, um, to, to self-regulation, right? So the, the way that um the way that ethical breaches of, uh, often are punished is that uh, either either another news organization kind of calls you out on it, or um, you know one of the things that I've studied in, in my own work is uh, is late night comedians, specifically with The Daily Show, um, uh, basically holding holding press accountable, right? Um, right. Often through humor, but. Um, but really pointing out when uh, when there's been an ethical breach. Right. Okay. Well, and that uh, can uh, oftentimes be effective to to sure. uh, have it work that way. Um, well, moving on here, um, people have um, different and sometimes conflicting values uh, and a variety of beliefs about which ethical standards are valid and which are not. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there's probably no ethical maxim that will apply to any and all situations, but, uh, communication scholars have 
talked about ethical standards and approaches to making ethical decisions. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm wondering if you can give us a sort of a synopsis, let's say, of uh, their main ideas, their main points. Sure. So I would say, at least in terms of kind of media ethics, the um, what we what we tend to follow actually uh, we borrowed from theology um, with uh, Ralph pa Ralph Potter um, and his his idea of what he calls the Potter box. Um, so it's really looking at um, kind of four four segments. Um, the first, so any ethical situation, right? Um, first, look at uh, what he calls the morally under uh, the morally relevant facts of the case. So, what are the what are the facts that you need to know in order to make the decision? That's probably the easiest part of the Potter box. Uh, and then you look at um, at your own values. So, what are the things that uh, that you value? And you know, these can be. Um, Something as simple as truth telling. It could be something like minimizing harm. Uh, it could be, you know, it could be objectivity. It could be transparency. There, there are probably hundreds of values. But mm -hmm. what are the things that you are um, that basically that you're willing to give up for other things, right? So if you say my central value is truth telling, well then. It, it's it's often very hard to to have both truth telling and minimizing harm. Um, so if I'm saying that my number one value is truth telling, then I'm willing to give up other things to get that, right? So you're looking at the facts, you're looking at values, uh, then you look at uh, what what he calls principles, uh, and and the way that kind of media ethicists usually talk about principles is looking at what have the philosophers said. Um, and so we, we tend toward certain philosophers. Um, we tend toward um, you know, John Stuart Mill, Immanuel Kant, uh, John Rawls, uh, Aristotle, um, Nell Noddings. Um, we, those are pretty much the standard in any kind of media ethics text. Um, but, but they're not, obviously, they're not exhaustive, right? Um, right, sure. There, um, so, so you look toward okay, what have the philosophers said about this, or how would they kind of rule on this? Uh, and what you're looking for, you're not necessarily going to try to cherry pick the philosopher who will back up the stand that you want to take, mm -hmm. but you want to see where they where they would kind of find common ground. Uh, or where, you know, if, if Kant and Mill would come down the same way on a, on a given situation, you're probably in a pretty good spot, mm -hmm. right? Um, but often they, also, you know, they often also conflict. So, so you also kind of much like when you're, when you're talking about values, you also say, okay, well, I'm willing to back up. Uh, I'm willing to back up the statement with, um, because I think Kant is right here, or I think John Rawls is right here. Um, so you look at facts, values, uh, principles, and then you look towards loyalties, uh, which is really, and this kind of comes from Josiah Royce, but it really comes from this idea of to whom do I owe loyalty? Uh, and there are often uh, conflicting loyalties, right? So you owe loyalty to yourself. Uh, you owe loyalty to your readers or viewers or listeners. You owe 
loyalty to um, to your your colleagues or to your news organization or to the profession or you know to society. There's there's all sorts of of people or or kind of ideas or ideals that can uh, make a claim on your loyalty. So you look at kind of those four quadrants and you. Um, by kind of taking that time, by stepping back for a second and really thinking through uh, the Potter box, you often can come to a to a decision. Now, the idea isn't to come to a decision that no one is going to disagree with, because someone's always going to disagree with your reason, mm-hmm. uh, or, or someone most likely will always disagree with your decision. What you what you're trying to get to is this idea of being able being able to rationalize it. So if a, for example, if, if you're working for a newspaper and someone calls you and says, how could you have, how could you have printed that? Uh, you can at least walk them through. Here's the thought process. Here's what I went through to get to kind of this end product. And often, and I can say this from from both academic experience, but frankly, from professional experience, often uh, you're not going to change minds, but you can at least get uh, get someone to to at least if, if they at least understand what you're where you're coming from and why you did it. Um, you can often get uh, people to uh, to at least kind of agree to disagree with you. Right. Um, Often what they're what they're upset with is like how you know how dare you do this? But then when you say, well, here's why, mm-hmm. um, and here's kind of the thought process I went through, uh, often they 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 at least understand it, right? Got it. Yeah. Well, finally, I wanted to ask, um, what advice would you have for audiences uh, when evaluating the ethics of media messages? The I, I would say that. You think so? I'll give you kind of the 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 basic, and then I'll get a little a little um, a little more abstract. Sure. So, you know, the basic the basic advice is uh, for any media message, get as many different uh, get as many different sources as you can. Right. So the problem. The problem with Fox News isn't Fox News. The problem, well, some of the problem with Fox News is Fox <laughs> News, but um, the problem the problem isn't necessarily Fox News. The problem is people who only get their news from Fox News. You and you could you could make that case for any other news organization, even even the really good ones like the New York Times or the BBC or sure, something like that, sure. right? Mm-hmm. The if you're only getting your news from one source, you're not doing it correctly. Um, the um, get news from as many sources as you can uh, and um, and really mix them up um, and mix them up kind of day to day. So um, th- that's kind of the general advice, right, for, for evaluating any message. If most news organizations are pointing in one direction, you have a pretty good idea that that is at least pointing toward the truth. Um, you know, the, the other kind of the, the more abstract version of that is uh, to go, there's actually a, um, a test, it's called the TARES test, um, T-A-R-E-S, that it's an acronym. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's largely, 
used or almost exclusively used, at least in ethics, for um, for kind of strategic communication messages. But but often I think you could also use it for um, for for any sort of media message, right? So um, the the each of like I said, these are all. Um, it's, a, it's an acronym, so each, each of these means something. So the T is, you know, is the claim truthful? So does it, um, does it actually, uh, the, um, yeah, basically, it, you know, are the claims, um, are the claims truthful? Um, are the admissions deceptive? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, then you look toward um, after truth, you look for is it authentic? So is it. Um, as, as we say, it's like it's not only uh, to do the right thing, but to do it for the right reason, right? So is this a message that basically the creator of the message would stand behind? Got it. Um, you know, the third, uh, the third leg of this is respect. Um, so uh, largely respect for the person who's going to receive the message. Um, so, you know, basically, am I willing to um, to take personal responsibility for the content of the ad? You can see this a lot in um, in political advertising. At the end of it, you know, I'm I'm so and so, and I and I approve this message. Is really uh, an idea of respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the fourth, the E, is is equity, which is. Um, Basically, it, it gets to do with um, with power and a power balance. So, is the you know basically is the is the recipient of the message on the same level playing field as the as the message's creator. So, for you know for example, in the in the BP uh, ad that I that I talked about, if uh, if you didn't know the history of the of the, of the um, Deepwater Horizon explosion and oil spill. Uh, you know, you come to that ad with um, with with a power imbalance, and, I, and I'm seeing that more and more. So I show that ad in, in my classes. Um, you know, my students uh, largely were born in the late '90s or early 2000s at this point, and don't you know just didn't live through some of that. Yeah. Um, so they, you know, may not actually know what happened. Got it. Right. Um, and then, and then finally, the the kind of the fifth leg is um, is it socially responsible? So, you know, if if anyone who is financially able to buy the message, or you know, if if everyone who sees you know for for like a uh, uh, a topic message, um, if everyone you know did that action, basically, would society be improved? Um, or um, you know, or if someone could be harmed, is that um, significantly outweighed by the good that can come from from a message? Um, you know, take take those five things together, and again, they, they've largely been used for advertising or other forms of persuasion. Um, but you, you could use those for any media method, messages. If you take those five things together and and really think through what is the message that I'm hearing and what does that mean. Uh, I, you know, you're probably as a as a as a news consumer or as a um, or as as a consumer of, of uh, advertising messages, you're probably going to be in a good spot. Many thanks to Chad Painter for his advice and insights. There are additional resources listed on this topic in the description box of this episode. And you can always find all episode descriptions at anchor.fm 
forward slash persuasion. Thanks for listening. See you next time.